At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Tannehill for the Dolphins survey. What he sees in front of him, a field of defensive backs and a hawking tight end who stands at the 15-yard line. Tannehill throws down the middle, caught by Stills. Laterals back to Butler, or rather Parker, who flips it to Drake. He runs across the 40 of New England, angling inside oh, to the 30. 25, 20, 15, 10. He's going to win the foot race to the end zone. The Dolphins are going to win it on the lateral. Once, then twice, and Drake takes it in. And the Patriots stand stunned in disbelief. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to a victorious edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm your host, Alfredo Artiaga. I'm here with Simon Clancy. And Chris Kaufman, who is on location in Disney. So he's not going to sound as good as he usually sounds every week. But... It's hard to talk through a Mickey Mouse face mask. No, no, yeah, it is. It, it really is. It's, it's interesting. Does, do, do you mean that, like, the listener wouldn't know if you mean that my voice is going to be hoarse from just, like, shouting and cheering for Mickey? Or, <laughs> yeah. or, uh, or, or am I going to be, like, you know, muffled by the sounds of uh, Magic Kingdom rides everywhere? Yeah, but what you heard at the top of the show, listeners, was courtesy of the Sports Hub, 98.5 in Boston, and it was absolutely glorious, and we're going to get into it. But first, a word from AutoNation. Since AutoNation is America's largest automotive retailer, chances are they have the vehicle you're looking for. Shop for over 100,000 new cars, trucks, vans, and sport utilities. From the luxury of Mercedes-Benz to that Chevy pickup truck you always wanted, they've got it. AutoNation helps finance over 430,000 people every single year, and you could be next. Get a great rate today. AutoNation strives to make the car buying process quick and easy, but most of all, stress-free. In addition to an extensive selection, all pre-owned vehicles go through a rigorous 125-point inspection and come with an everyday low, no-hoggle price. One price, no pressure. Guaranteed. Start your search right now at AutoNation.com. And of course... Like I always say on every podcast, take yourself to, if you want a Chevy truck or GM, go down to that store at 8600 Pines Boulevard. Their phone number there is 954-357-0524. Go see my friend Aldo Romero over there or one of the salesmen, Miguel, who's also a friend of mine. All right, guys, we're not going to bury the lead at all. We're going to talk about this play for the first half of this show. Simon, take me through how you saw the play your thoughts during the play, and then your immediate thoughts afterwards. 
I didn't see it, mate. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> did they? Did they win? Who? The Dolphins. Aren't they playing tonight? No. Um. Shit. No, they lost, right? Must have yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, they lost. This is going to be like that Green Bay game at the start, at the start of the year. I'm going to be convinced the Dolphins lost, and you're going to reveal to me on the show that, that they, they won. won. <laughs> so I was late getting back, didn't watch it in real time, watched it sort of about an hour and 10 minutes behind, but in real time on Game Pass. And um, I was having conversations with my other half who kept saying like dropping little hints like oh what's the score and um knowing what the score was and <laughs> i can't i hate the fact that you're watching it on delay because we could, there's so much to talk about and so i was thinking yeah and then with like two minutes ago she messaged me going what's the score so i sent her a message but then obviously when they kicked the field goal to make it 33 28 and we had like seven seconds left or whatever then it was obvious we weren't going to win um and then as the play unfolded, I, I, what I probably thought that she'd meant was that there was kind of glorious failure, that Kenyon would get run out of bounds at about the 10 or he'd fall over at the three or he'd fumble going into the end zone or it'd get called back by a flag because I, I just didn't believe that it was true. And so even when he went into the end zone, I was still thinking that didn't happen or there's going to be a penalty or Ted Larson will get done for holding or there'll be some <laughs> sort of, there's no way that the NFL is going to allow New England to lose in this manner. And there's got to be some sort of erroneous flag somewhere. And yet, and yet, I mean, I must've watched it back about 70 times already. I mean, it's just astonishing. And for about, I mean, it took me a while to get sleep last night, actually. And for about, three hours after it happened, I was just like, wow, that was fucking crazy. <laughs> Chris? Well, this is, you know, this is my life as a Dolphins fan. Um, one of the most iconic moments of Miami Dolphins fan and team history of the last, uh, well, really of the 21st century, if you think about it. NFL um, history. NFL uh, well, NFL, history. Sure, sure. NFL is. I mean, they made some NFL history, but certainly this is like, you know, one of the most memorable games. And um, and I watched the first half of it, just a little bit beyond the first half of it, and then I really had to get on the road, and uh, and so I missed the second half and I missed the play, and it wasn't until Alf started texting me something along the lines of "fuck you, we win." <laughs> And and that's um that's when I knew something was up, and I just was like, you know what? I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, and I I I sought the aid of Twitter, and immediately, of course, somebody immediately has the play up on video on Twitter, and I watched it, and I was just I was just flabbergasted. And I'm trying to communicate this to my wife, uh, what what just happened. Um, because I had been keeping track of the score and I, you know, I'd, I'd been looking on Twitter and seeing, um, seeing play recaps and, uh, and videos and stuff like that. And, um, and the box score. And then I saw, you know, the Patriots kick that field goal to go up 33, 28. I saw when they went ahead 30 to 28. And then, and then um, you know, the, the Kenny Stills play with uh, where he, where he kind of goes down and before he gets the first down marker and um and then later the Kenny Stills drop um or well they say it was drop I don't know if that qualifies it but we'll see um he hit him in the face 
So yeah, yeah, I, I know, but I thought it was a little bit high. But um, it, anyway, uh, is it, it was interesting. I thought the game was lost. I was like, uh, I'm putting up the phone. I'm like, yep, okay. No, this isn't going well, and that means the season is over. And uh, and then uh, here comes Alf saying, "Fuck you, we win." <laughs> <laughs> it's like what? Well, so, I was on I was on the the three YPC Twitter account blaming Kenny Stills for the loss because they yep, had yeah I saw that <laughs> two golden opportunities to ice the game really to really mm-hmm. ice the game because I'm sorry that our offense was an absolute juggernaut. And I really love. I loved how Adam Gase shoved Brandon Bolden right up Bill Belichick's ass. Yeah, <laughs> all game. The guy's averaging thirty-five yards a carry. Okay, I guess we got to give him the ball now more. Well, we got to change the name of the pod. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, for sure. It's thirty-five yards a carry now. But, but you could you could tell last week, couldn't you? When when um, when uh, Bolden had that carry that Gase did in the press conference, he wanted to get in the ball more. He was really quick coming out of college. He was kind of underrated and uh, and kind of hidden down the the Patriots' death chart, and, and there he was, boom! I mean, two great two great plays, especially the the, the long touchdown run. And we'll get into it, I'm sure. But I just thought the blocking scheme yesterday was superb. I, mean, I mentioned it to Omar Kelly this morning, but there were times when you know I haven't seen us pulling Jesse Jesse Davis and, and Juwan James like that. It was like watching Forrest Gregg and uh, and Jerry Kramer on the Lombardi sweep. I mean, those uh, the athletic ability of Juwan James. To, you don't see right tackles doing that. And they were coming across the formation. Nick O'Leary, you know, get sealing off blocks and stuff. I just thought, you know, I thought the, the selection of running plays were, were superb. And kudos to the guys and the um, you know, the analysis guys who will have picked that up you know, during their cut downs and things and, uh, and seeing that those sorts of plays were, uh, the Patriots were susceptible to those sorts of plays. But mm-hmm. um, I just thought that was, I, I just thought it was some terrific, you know, and look, Adam Gates gets a shellacking from fans and inverted commas when the play calling isn't great. I thought generally the play calling yesterday was fantastic. Um, you know, people were still complaining about whether or not we should have punted with four minutes to go kind of close to midfield. And, you know, you can argue that till you're blue in the face. But listen, we fucking won. So stop pissing and moaning. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, as far as that play, it's called Boise. And the reason it's called Boise because it's named after a play that Boise State ran against Oklahoma. January what a game first. that was, by the way. That was. I mean, that's one of the There's great so college games from of that game, all time. So. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, get the Ian Johnson game-winning mm-hmm. Statue of Liberty handoff. The Statue of Liberty play? The ha- yeah. Absolutely. The, the, the proposal. The uh, marriage proposal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder, are they still married? Are, are they still married? Yeah, they are. They are. They are. Oh, right. yeah, that's, I Googled that's it nice last night. So. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, so, yeah, I've seen them practice that play before, and it always looks like it, it always looks pretty stupid to see it at the end of practice running a, a couple of in-cuts, although the times that I've seen them run it, it's mostly run with Parker being the point man. And him well, they've got two, it. apparently. They've got, so Albert Breer wrote today they've got two plays. One is called Boise, and the other, the other is called Steeler. The Boise play is the one that we saw yesterday, which apparently they, they practiced in the hotel on Saturday night or wherever it was on Saturday. And then the other play is called Steeler, which is a pass to Stills, and then Drake pitches it to Parker. And Parker is the ball carrier. And then there's an option to pitch it to Danny Amendola at some point if, if Amendola is either free or if Parker's about to be tackled. So Amendola is the kind of the fourth man. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, Gay, and Drake talked to both Peter King and Albert Breer in their separate Monday columns. Uh, and Drake said that he was essentially looking around for somebody to pitch the ball to. And then all of a sudden saw this daylight 
then there was the great Ted Larson block to seal off, um, I think, mm. Jason McCourty or maybe um, Duron Harmon. And Drake was just like, I saw daylight. And then, and then you know, turned out field and, and all of a sudden it's me against Gronkowski. And I don't know if you, watched, if you saw it, as I'm sure you did, but he just, he just slows for a split second, almost as if he's going to cut back inside. It just freezes Gronkowski. Yeah. When Kenyon's at about the 12, maybe, it just freezes him just for a second and um, mm. gives him the latitude just to get in, in the corner. In fact, bizarrely, just, just before you rang off, I was actually re-watching it back on, I take Red Zone yesterday, was back re-watching it, which is, um, yeah, so yeah, I've got it on the screen now. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, there's so much to take away, like the celebrations, the the Tannehill's snow angel, the, the, <laughs> defensive, the defensive player. I mean, I've never seen I've never seen Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald jump so high when you watch <laughs> them coming and piling. I mean, there's yeah, just so much to take away. It was no, just th- and there was and there was so many things that were missed in that celebration. First of all, Akeem Spence picks up Gase and almost dumps him on his head, and then Akeem Spence <laughs> just makes a beeline for the stands and runs up about eight or nine rows and starts hugging fans. Yeah, and you've got that phenomenal shot of Bobby McCain running across this, uh, with Leonte Laurent, uh, Carew, both mm-hmm. of them looking kind of completely bewildered as they sprint towards where yeah. Kenyon is. And then in the background, you've got Brock Osweiler, who looks like he's just had like $500,000 stolen out of his bank account, and he has no idea where the <laughs> cash has gone. But in the, yes. background, in the background, you can see Adam Gaze, who's being lifted up by kind of players. And he's, got, he's trying to take his headphones off and his hats all over his face. It's magic. It's absolutely magic. I don't know if you saw, there was a, there's a selection of photographs in the Palm Beach Post, which you can buy, which I was looking at today, thinking that would be excellent just to frame a few of them up, but almost as a kind of emotion story of what happened. Um, and there's an amazing shot on the sideline of Darren Rizzi, Matt Burke, players, and then shitloads of fans behind them. Who literally, so Kenya must have just gone across the goal line. It's a, it's a tremendous photo. And, and like Burke and Grizzly are just like, no idea what the fuck's just happened, but it's, <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah, and then you see in the, in the locker room, uh, Tannenbaum was in the locker room and he was high-fiving everybody. And then when Kenyon Drake comes in, he yeah. got the biggest bear hug. He did. You know, so I don't know if he's planning on taking credit for drafting him or not, but <laughs> Kenyon well, Drake, Drake did an interview that was remarkable today on the Levitard show. And he took him through that play. And he says that once he caught the pitch, he knew that the play was being perfectly executed. And then he said, okay, I have to find somebody else to pitch it to. But then he decided, you know what? I have three guys in front of me. I'm going to try to score. And he says he had no idea he could score until Ted Larson got the block. And Mm -hmm. when he cut it back, Lebertard asked him, when did you know you were going to score? And he says that he almost had a hard time not falling down himself because once he got past that block, all he saw in front of him was Rob Gronkowski. Mm. And he had no idea he was on the field. And Kenya Drake told Lebertard, I saw Rob Gronkowski and, and I just knew I scored. Mm. So yeah, I just he said that he gave, him, he gave him like a little move to see if he would go for it. And he said, sure enough, yeah, he, he went for it. And, 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 and Drake just said, I went down the sideline and he wasn't going to catch me. It plays out a bit like a dream sequence, right? I mean, like he's, he had no idea Rob Gronkowski is even on the field. And here Why he is would you? shaking all these guys. And, and then just the last guy, he looks up and, and this is Rob Gronkowski chasing you. And he's like, can we, well, can we just I can, make the point I can as shake well. him. <laughs> can we just make the point as well? 
what a terrible decision by Bill Belichick to have him on the field. I mean, look, we you know people eulogise about um, about Belichick enough, but that's a terrible decision to have Rob Gronkowski on the field and not have your best tackling defender in Devin McCourty. McCourty was not, excuse me, was not on the field. I mean, yeah, that is absolutely wasn't. inexplicable. And I think there's probably only two quarterbacks who could get the ball from the from where it was to the end zone. And they're Patrick Mahomes and, uh, and Josh Allen, neither of whom were on the field. And Ryan's got a strong arm, but there's no way he's getting the ball because, what, what? you know, drop back. I mean, where, where did he release the ball from? I mean, watch it again. He's, he's still I mean, fighting a shoulder, too. He's not going to get it. Of course he is. Even, yeah. as, much, even I mean, as much as he's, you know, used to being able to get. So the ball's on 31. Ryan's in the shotgun standing at the 25, 26, and he drops back to the pretty – I mean, his right foot, his, his heel of his right foot is on the 20-yard line when he throws it to Kenny. Yeah. So you expect him to throw it 80 yards. I don't think there's a quarterback yards. in the NFL that, no. that actually does that. I mean, not even Pat no. Mahomes. And I, you know how I respect no. his arm, but, I mean, it's not getting there. And in NFL no, history, maybe not. Demarcus Russell can reach the end zone. And that's <laughs> yeah. about it. And I don't think I don't think Marcus Russell's in that game. And no. anyway, no. There was a very funny scene at the end where they're all celebrating, and Matt. Everybody's runs over, uh, and you know, there's Cornell Armstrong, James Tunsil, Jones, Alonzo, T.J. McDonald, Spence. They're all there, and Matt Hawk runs over, and then Hawk just walks up to Sylvester Williams, pats him on the back. And they just walk straight off again. You just think, what's that all about? I mean, <laughs> why? Would, I mean, Sylvester had absolutely. I mean, he wasn't even on the field, and it's just so I, bizarre. Watch it back. Watch Matt Hawk just walk over, pat Sylvester Williams on the back as though he's just done something special, and then walk back Sylvester off again. It's so bizarre. Sylvester well, lost clearly. To Matt Hawk. Yeah, clearly. No, and and, and uh, I think it was Ziggy Hood who was running around screaming, "No flags! No flags! No flags!" No. I think he was gonna. I think he was gonna personally run to every referee <laughs> and make sure that there was no flags. <laughs> yeah. Although, remember, he played for the Steelers and mm. he had a long history with those Patriots, so he was mm. looking for the laundry on the field. And yes, yeah. there was a lot of laundry that was questionable to say the least in that game. It all got to erased. Be fair though, you watch. You watch that play back though. The the there is. No, I mean, it's blocked perfectly. There's not yeah, a hole. And nothing. There's nothing. I watched it. I never even thought there was going to be a flag. Not even no. against the Patriots. All that you know, the stuff that people say. And, I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I just, you know, I just watched it. It was like, wow. The, I mean, the, the laterals were not in question. There was no, there's no block in the weird block in the backs anywhere. Um, it was just, it's it very clean play. It was surprisingly, was I mean, magic. And I tell you what, it was great Belichick coaching. Was, the mistake by Belichick there is just. Um, you know, you've got to have a Hail Mary package, and then you've also got to have the, you know, weird, the weird lateral and, you know, crazy play package um, because because they weren't in position to throw a Hail Mary. That was not even in the question. I mean, Rob Gronkowski can be on the field when it's a Hail Mary, I think, if it's yeah. at the 50-yard line, um, somewhere, around, somewhere around there. Then Rob Gronkowski can be on the field. You want somebody with his height and his athleticism to be able to get out there and knock it down. So, I mean, basically, they just didn't have a second package, and they, they got burned for it. And then, on the other hand, you, you hear the stories about how much Miami has practiced this play, including that weekend, and, you know, as you say, at the hotel and stuff like that. And so, I, dare I say, Adam Gase outcoached Bill Belichick on this one. I mean, it's 
those are the facts. I mean, that's that's the way it is. That's the way it played out. My point was that it's it's okay for fans to say that Adam Gaze did a good job. You know, yeah. I, I know that it's a really kind of you know it's a really cool thing to do to say that oh Gaze is terrible and Gaze is he's really not. You know, he's he's a really good coach. And he's yes. coaching the shit out. Of, I, I, I tweeted after the game. He's coaching the shit out of these players. We've got 16 players on injured reserve. We've got, I think I calculated earlier, eight opening day starters on offense and five opening day starters on defense who have played, who have been on the, uh, who have been injured for two plus games this season. 16 games, 16 players on IR, which I think is the second most in the NFL. And yet we are seven and six. We are the sixth seed in the playoffs. And the head coach is coaching the fuck out of this team. Um, you know, and that's what there is to say about it. You know, I saw there was a Charles Robinson um, Yahoo Sports guy report this evening that he thought Gaze might, might be sacked at the end of the season and that John Harbaugh, I mean, that's, uh, that Jim Harbaugh was coming. That's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. It's not going to happen. You know, I've seen other reporters say that Adam Gaze should be, you know, one of the coach of the year candidates. He won't win it, obviously. But you just look at what he's doing, you know, and... It's okay to be critical as well, but it's also okay to say, you know what, the two are not mutually exclusive. And I think that's the most important thing to remember moving forwards. Yeah, and he was, he was absolutely brilliant, I think. And I'll use that word. He was brilliant. The offense averaged nine yards per play. Think about that. Yeah. Okay. Guess, yeah. <laughs> All right. And also the, also the quarterback as well. He's 12-4 and four in his last 16 games. He's the sixth-ranked yeah. passer in the NFL. Uh, I think he's the fifth best passer inside the pocket in the NFL and the sixth overall best passer in the NFL in terms of passer rating. And, and, 12, and this and the is only, what Gaze is here to do. He's here to, exactly. he's here to get him to, to win games with Ryan Tannehill. It was and in the 12 job and four, Exactly. 12 and four is winning games. I mean, you know, I had somebody tweet me tonight going, oh, it's, the 12 and four is not, a, it's not a true record. and It's not this and that. And there were too many lucky plays. And that, yes. I mean, you, you can't continue to make excuses because you don't like the narrative. Uh, you yeah, know. at some point, at some point the, <clears throat> the, the sample size is going to be big enough. Like, when is it big enough? When he's 145 and 6? It's like, and, and then it was like, you know, who's the Dolphins beaten this season? Well, we beat the Titans, and the Titans are competing. We beat the Bears, who just beat the Rams, who are the best team in the NFL. We just beat yeah. the Patriots, who are the third best team in the NFL. Oh, yeah, but that was a fluky end of gameplay. Well, no, it wasn't, actually. It, you know, because every play matters. You know, it doesn't matter. The fucking yeah. Patriots got a fluky play to start their Super Bowl run when Charles Woodson sacked Tom Brady in the snow and the Raiders recovered it for game over. And then, yeah. and then the referees gave them the book. That was a fluky play. We scored 28 before that fluky play. We did. Yes. And we held, yes, them to, we, did. we held them to six points in the second half. Six points, the Patriots. That's the lowest output, I think, in the last two seasons in the second half of any game. Six whole points. So it wasn't a fucking fluke at all. You know, and I'm so bored of that narrative. I'm so bored of it. People who are always looking for those negative little kind of snidey little comments. It's fucking, if you've got that, go and support somebody else. Seriously, go and, you know, somebody must be today saying, oh, you know, I want Joe Flacco as I Fuck it. Do you? Do you? <laughs> Have you watched him play the last two years? He's 34 years old and falling off a cliff. You know, he's not getting back the job at Baltimore and it's not because Lamar Jackson's playing lights out. I mean, seriously, fuck off. This stuff just gets on my tits. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. We're going to go to break. But when we come back, we will talk about Ryan Tannehill. We will talk more about Adam Gase. And, and we will not talk about anything else that gets on Simon's tits. Nothing. No, no. And, of course, we will give out game balls. But first, these words. This is the Five Reasons Sports Network. Miami Sports On Demand. 
We now have 15 podcasts in the network covering every professional sports team in South Florida and much more, all absolutely free. Find all of our shows on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Podbean. If you just can't get enough, become a member of our patron feed and you'll get even more exclusive content. Here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear on the upcoming episode of our newest show, The Chamber Podcast. We're now joined by Dr. Peter Marciante. There's a local sports team down here hampered by injuries right now. If a team is ravaged by injuries, how much do you put of that into the training staff and the physical therapist? Unfortunately, I put a lot on it. Now what they've done is they've they've blocked out all external doctors to have total control, and I'm not sure it's working that well but there needs to be a little bit more freedom and guys need to be also take charge in, in their own health care they can't just go to a team who's trying to manage 100 players if you're interested in advertising your business on any of our podcasts reach out to us at number five reasons sports on twitter to stay up to date with all of our shows enter five reasons in your search bar and then hit subscribe Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. They already know this is OJ McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins Tales from the Deep. OJ, tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch is <laughs> chasing me because you, you know Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy, that guy. <laughs> Wait, why are you looking so, at me like I know yeah. Lizzo with his no, clothes off? Seth with his clothes off. So make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. And we're back. And, of course, had you bet on the Dolphins, you, you could have gotten almost like two to one. Simon, tell the people how they could have made a lot of money betting on the Dolphins in this. They could with our partners at BetDSI.com. 20 years online, impeccable reputation. If you bet on your phone, they've got a great mobile interface, so you can play, you can win, you can get paid. Just get cash. It's Christmas time. Get money. Can we get started? They're offering double your money on your first deposit. So deposit now, start winning, and get up to $2,500 for free. Double your money from the get-go before Christmas. Who doesn't want any of that action? When it comes to football, They've got every wager you could ever want or imagine. If it's happening in sports, they'll put a line on it for you. The NFL, the NCAA, the bowling season coming up, as in the you know college football bowls rather than 10-pin bowling because nobody gives a <laughs> fuck about that. <laughs> March Madness is just around the corner. Boxing, UFC, the Premier League, Liverpool are top of the Premier League, everybody. Esports. So join BetDSI today using promo code YARDS101. That's YARDS101. Get in the action get paid enjoy the games that much more when you play with our partners at betdsi.com we have to talk about the quarterback guys he was i'll say it magnificent in this game i think this was his best game all year he was 14 out of nine out of 19 and yeah you know the, the numbers are not gaudy but it is three touchdowns and it's a relatively really clean game he threw one pass all game that i thought was questionable that almost got picked by gilmore and also, yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> almost found its way into Devontae Parker's hands, and if that happens, Parker scores on that play too. So yeah, that, but that should have been a pick six. <laughs> it, it probably should. Yeah. So well, it sounds like you have you have an opinion, Chris, on on his play in this game. What did you think? No, I thought he had a great game. I mean, I, I don't want to I don't want to nitpick his performance in the game. He had he had a really great. I mean, the deep ball 
he had a deep ball pretty early that was um you know in sort of answer to uh to this uh superb pass that uh that Tom Brady threw to um to Cordero Patterson. That that by the way, that was a whistler. That was really mm, wasn't it? That was yes, that was a really nice one. Why is um, why, why is Walt, why was Walt Aikens in in man coverage? I don't play, know, but I tell you what, the Patriots are the best that I've seen of sniffing out when you've got a guy in. Mm. Like it is it is completely consistent when you've Touchdown got a guy in. Cornell. Yeah, yeah, when you've got a guy in Cornell uh, or you know Walt Aikens or something, they know. And they they'll they'll hit it and they'll they'll throw a play out there that they know will hit him like will will put the sombrero on him as well, Matt Burke, uh, Dan Matt Burke, Pasqualone used to say. Matt Burke had, had something to say about that. He said that uh, they were going to have Minka Fitzpatrick travel with with Gordon with Josh Gordon, and that he wanted somebody physical in our nickel sets nickel sets against the other receivers. So he deemed Walt Aikens the next man up, really. And he says yeah. since he's a big guy and he's kind of he's good with his hands, that he thought he could handle the assignment. Mm. So I don't know what you make of that, but well. he had you know th- there was a method to the madness. But the no, thing I... was that they had they had McCain and Fitzpatrick with with Rashad Jones helping over the top on that side of the field, and essentially Walt was on his own on one pretty much entire side of the field. Because when you watch the play back, Rashad is, is walking over towards the McCain-Fitzpatrick side of the field, mm-hmm. which was the narrow side of the field, the free side of the field, the strong side of the field, because they were on the left hash, was essentially the wide side of the field. Mm-hmm. And there's Walt and Cordero Patterson, which is not a matchup in anybody's book that you want to mm-hmm. see. And then TJ was up in the box. So it was just like, what in good God's name is happening here? And it was, mm-hmm. you know... Like Chris said perfectly, it was the, the a great job by Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady to identify that that was a you know that was a viable option, and it clearly was. Yeah. Now, Simon, what did you make of the Patriots' run game that was completely non-existent? Really, it, if they had you know two plus runs all game, I think past seven yards, I think that was too many. They ended up with I think sixty-one yards rushing, and they run the ball, and they really mixed in. They really mixed in their play calling to try to get, a, get us with, with Sony Michel. What did you make of – what were the Dolphins doing that was actually stopping the run? I mean, I, I, I thought we got quite – I thought Ziggy Hood played pretty well. I thought we got quite a lot of penetration. I thought the, the ends played pretty well, held up pretty well. And I thought the, I thought the linebackers had probably had their best game as a, as a unit in terms of – certainly in, in terms of playing the run. I um, think so. Uh, you know, I didn't think there were any breakdowns particularly and actually I don't think there were too many massive breakdowns in coverage frankly um I thought Kiko Alonso had an excellent game I mean not just the obvious plays that you saw the 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 big stop where he slashed through on third down for example I just thought we wrapped up well I thought we tackled well and I also don't think that um, I don't know what you think Chris but I don't think New England committed fully it was like watching the Rams Bears last night it was Mm -hmm. so odd to see you know I think Sean McVay's a genius but I, I cannot see, I could not, I thought it was lunacy not to run Todd Gurley more than he did in that game. And I just thought that New England sort of shied away from the run a little bit. And I know that, you know, coaches getting rhythms in terms of, but I just thought that was, you know, it was madness for them. But it was also a bit of a track meet game, you know. Yeah, you, you yeah know. That's, that's what I think it is. Be- really. Belichick, also, Belichick also knew that his team, for whatever reason it is, and I, I, I doubt we'll ever know what it is, but they don't play well down in, in Florida. They don't do well for whatever reason well, it is and you know you take a six nothing lead it becomes seven six then it's 13 mm-hmm. 
Then it's 13, then it's 20. Oh. You know, it was getting out of hand in terms of, you know, keep scoring. If we don't score, they're going to score. So we've got to score. So let's keep throwing it because the thing we do best is throw the ball. Oh, it's gonna, that's something that feeds on itself. And we, we, we talked about it a little bit on last show in the preview is, you know, how to – because none of us really thought Miami was going to win this game. Simon mm. and you and I thought they were going to get absolutely destroyed absolutely. Uh, by the Patriots in this game. But, you know, we were talking about, well, how could Miami win this game? You know, what would it, what would it look like? And, um, and what it is, it's just like sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy, this, this – uh, this um this thing builds on itself. This we don't play well down in Miami thing, um mm-hmm. and and you know Miami on the flip side, you know we destroy mm-hmm. the Patriots in Miami. I mean when they start, the you know we get confidence. They start to think, oh no, here we go again. Yeah. Um and and so it kind of it kind of builds on itself. But um but as for the run game, I thought one thing at least one time and probably more than once I saw the linebackers doing some some late switching and like switching the mic and stuff like that mm. and um and i know that, that on a very early play that that resulted in kiko alonso um destroying the uh the the run play because the blocking scheme you know it was it was such a late switch the blocking scheme didn't pick him up and um and so it was uh and i think that that's um maybe they were maybe they did some things that way that helped uh, but it also got into such a track meet that, you know, you could see how, I mean, listen, the, the Patriots scored no shortage of points in that first half, right? I mean, that, mm-hmm. they were they were scoring quite a, what, 27 points maybe? Yeah, four In the first half? Yeah, four yeah um, so so they, it's hard to criticize how their offense was performing. This is just one sliver of their offense uh, in that first half. Um, but I think that that's, that's sort of what it is. And I think that maybe that's a danger that Josh McDaniels can fall into sometimes is that, you know, Hey, we've had some success doing this. We're dicing them up. We've gotten into a track meet. Um, and then maybe, maybe the commitment isn't there, uh, from, from there. And then that's, um, you know, everybody's, everybody's human, but in the end, Hey, they scored 33 points. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Let's let's not like pile on. Let's not say to the Patriots, "Oh my God, what a shit job you did on offense." I mean, in the second half, yeah. they didn't do enough. But overall, thirty-three points says they did. And also, you know, you look at Josh Gordon. Gordon had what one hundred and thirty-two yards receiving. Gronkowski had a nice game. Edelman had a nice game. Yeah. You know, I think I think what we did a really good job of was keeping James White in check. You know, because mm. White's a, a massive threat. One of the really unsung players of the NFL. I thought we, you know, we covered him well out the backfield. We didn't allow Sony Michelle to get to get running, you know, and, and also I don't think, you know, we, we limited, generally limited Gronkowski because, you know, there's a guy who can, like very few players in the league, he's a guy who can absolutely take over possessions and can dominate, can box players out, he, he catches everything. You look at the you look at the touchdown he had where it looked like Bob McCain was either going to knock it out. You know, the strength in his hands is phenomenal. Um, you know, for mm. all the criticism that he's, he's received unjustly in the last 24 hours over the fact that he couldn't tackle Kenyon Drake, you know, he's a Hall of Fame tight end who is almost un, un, you know, coverable. And I thought we did a pretty decent job on him. And to be fair, I thought Jerome Baker did a pretty decent job on him, actually. Baker didn't yeah. do badly at well, all. Well, he can run with anybody. And, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, he, can, he can keep a lid on a lot of things because, because of his speed. And that's, that's what speed brings to the table. Like, it's, it's not about – sometimes it is about shutting guys down, and, and you want to see that, but – Really, I think what speed does is it, it keeps it keeps the um, the offense having to run more and more plays. 
because when when you've got speed on the table, you're limiting the damage. Uh, you you got guys that can chase and they have to go out of bounds now, or they have to they get tackled, or you know. Mm-hmm. So it extends the offensive drive and gives you more chances to make something go wrong. And things did go wrong for the Patriots. You know, they had some they had some miscues. They had Tom Brady and uh, and Sony Michelle ran into each other in the backfield on one run play. I think that yeah. was in the red zone. Um, and so, you know, they, they just, and that's part of the, uh, this thing, I think that it builds on itself and becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. We don't play well in Miami. And so the Patriots have these miscues that they don't normally have. And it's just enough to let us, I mean, the offense was, our offense was performing, you know, like dynamite really in this game. Right. Um, but I think, I think Matt Burke also did something that was, I thought really, really interesting. If you look at the, if you look at the box score, you come away, you know, wondering, okay, where was James White in this game? Because Sony Michelle had 20 carries. He had 57 yards. Okay. James White caught two passes for 15 yards. Now, why didn't he kill us? Well, I'll tell you why he didn't kill us because very, very early on every snap that James White got, we would flip our defense to make the free rusher come on whatever side he lined up on. And I guess we figured out pretty early on that they would use James White to pick up that free rusher. And we were sending the free rusher every single time. Now, what this accomplished was that it took James White out of the game, but it also put Rob Gronkowski man-to-man with a linebacker. Mm. So, And I thought that Tom Brady played his best game in – Maybe maybe the best game he's played all year against us because he was absolutely perfect. He was recognizing this every single time. Now, this accomplished one thing. It erased James White, but it did free up Rob Gronkowski. He, he did. Tom Brady, in fairness, though, Tom Brady did have that really poor miss in the back of the end zone to, to, um, to 7-11. Um, he did, yeah. Yeah, and, and that was very uncharacteristic. I was, I was saying at the time, like, he nailed – he pinpoints that throw to Corderell Patterson, which was on a rope 40 yards. I mean, it was, it, was a, it was one of those great NFL passes that shows that even when you're a guy like Tom Brady and you don't – you know, you don't flash the arm all, all the time because, uh, because you use the shallow middle and stuff like that. You, you throw a lot of balls in between the numbers. Um, you know, if he still has that arm, though. Even at forty-one years old, and, you know um, I did it, though, don't you? What's that? You, you know why he did it? Pressure. Why? He was getting ah. pressured and pressured and pressured. Mm-hmm. Robert Quinn was coming yes. off the. Robert Quinn played really well actually on Trevor Brown, and um, mm-hmm. he was getting. He, Brady was getting hit quite a lot, and I just think he he. he it always the seems susceptible. was pressuring him. Yeah, there was. But I thought that, I thought we were getting around the edge, and we were getting not necessarily you know we were getting hits in, we were getting legal hits in, you know, mm-hmm. immediately after he threw the ball, he was getting his arm hit a little bit. There was, you know, Cameron and, and Quinn were getting closer and closer. Branch got, I mean, I think it was the Patterson touchdown. Actually, Branch gets, I mean, there's another Andre Branch holding call, but Branch got mm-hmm. held on that, on that touchdown. Yeah. Um, but I think Brady saw Quinn coming, which he was, and just threw it too quickly. And it was, it was too high, but it, yeah, it was a, it was frankly a surprise to see him miss a, a guy that wide open. Yeah. Now let me ask, let me ask you guys a, a question. And this is before we go to game balls and I'll start with you first, Chris, the Patriots ran 30 more plays. They blocked two punts and they got elite Tom Brady yet. They lose. Now he's mm. seven and 10 here in Miami. Other than the Kenyon Drake play at the end of the game, 
Name one thing that you think was the difference in this game. Well, I mean, the, the, the running game, clearly. The, the Dolphins running game with, uh, with Frank Gore and, and Bolden. Um, Brandon Bolden coming. I mean, it was, it was a difference maker. I mean, listen, in the end, the Dolphins scored more points, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's how you win the game. The Dolphins scored more points. And I'm not trying to be like, you know, pretend to be profound. I'm just like, you know, that's, that's what they did. And they did it by the running game. And yeah, Tannehill played well, but he didn't throw a lot of pass, passes in the game, did he? No, he um, 19 passes. You know, and, and so it was Frank Gore doing some really, really hard running um, in, inside. And then Brandon Bolden running for 35 yards a carry <laughs> and, um, and, and creating, I mean, the big plays came from the running game and that's if you look back when Miami's offense has been good this year it's been that because if you think about early in the year when they were making big plays it was Albert Wilson running it was Jakeem Grant running it was Kenyon Drake some big plays and there and some of them you know technically go down as pass plays whatever I don't care but I mean that's what they did they had explosive plays in the running game and it came back it came back in this game. They had explosive plays with Brandon Bolden this time, and then they had hard running from Frank Gore. If you're going to ask me, that's how how they did it. Um, that's it. I mean, that's that's they ran all over them. Simon, I think Chris has covered it. To be honest, I think the run game was the was critical and staying committed to the run as well. But mm-hmm. the blocking up front, I thought the the, the line up front did a really good job. I mean, I thought the sacks were indicative more of Patriots scheming in terms of blitzing and Ryan probably holding onto the ball a little too long, especially after he'd hurt his ankle, which meant that he wasn't able to manipulate the pocket at yeah. least a little bit. Um, and, and clearly, that ankle was was playing up. But I just thought, you know, and. You know, his words I probably never thought I'd put together in a sentence, but Travis Swanson has played pre- pretty decently at centre, yes. actually. I think he's been better I think he's been better than Daniel Kilgore. Yes, I think he's yeah. solidified the position in terms of what we need for this season. Um, I think he was better than uh, than Jake Brendel as well. Yeah, no, I think yes. you're right. I think he's been the best Yeah. And actually I mean I'd have to watch it, but I it wouldn't surprise me if he was better than the final season of Mike Pouncey, frankly. Yeah, maybe it's possible. There was also one play which which told me everything I needed to know about this game, and that was uh, they lined up. I think it was a second and eight, and it was the big thirty-six yard run by Frank Gore, and they and they had a close up of Tannehill under center, and Tannehill uh, slaps Swanson in his back, and this is Swanson ready ready to to snap the ball. He's about to snap the ball. Tannehill's about to get into his cadence, and Tannehill slaps him in the back and tells him, "Let's go, T." Mm-hmm. Now, if that doesn't tell you what their mindset was right here, they're basically telling the defense, look, we're running it right up your ass right here on this play, and you're not mm-hmm. going to stop it. And sure enough, the next play was the 36-yard run. So, Well, I, I think what that is is, um, is is it's messing with the – I mean, he's, he's manipulating the cadence and the timing of the play, and it just shows that they're – in a very short amount of time, too, they've gotten – on the same page that way. I mean, mm. you, from from the very first game that he had to come in, where it was tragic and they had bad snaps and they had, you know, uh, I think there there was like early snaps. There were some real miscues there. Yeah. Um, from then on, you know, I we we talked about on this podcast should should they, should they move Ted Larson over to center? I mean, Travis Swanson. I mean, should they, I don't know about this. Um, and and they doubled down on Travis Swanson and said that he's going to be our center. Um, and, and it's, it's paid off. It really has. All right, let's do it. 
Game balls. Who wants to go first? Simon? Uh, I'm going to give uh, – I mean, it would be utterly foolhardy not to give one to Kenyon Drake uh, just because that was an astonishing uh, play and it's very obvious. I'm going to give one that's semi-obvious uh, because he'll never, ever get a game ball before or since, which is Ted Larson, who not only <laughs> – not only was he not a fucking complete liability during the game, but you look at the way he hustled down the field. I mean, I think there's a photograph, and Kenyon's already got the ball, and Ted Larson's about 20 yards further behind him. And he makes the absolutely critical seal-off block on Jason McCourty or Deron Harmon or whoever it was. It definitely wasn't Devin McCourty, but uh, yeah. I mean, that was just a stupendous block. And I love and he the was the only that, one, really, of the offensive linemen that, he was. that hustled he was. that far down. And I love the reaction of the, of the the rest of the team who were seeing Ted, 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 when he got into the locker room. And then he went into the shower, and when he came out of the shower, they started singing it again. So he went back into the shower again and just had another second shower. And they stopped singing <laughs> it. I think he would be my second game ball. And go to Chris, and I'm going to try and think of a third one. Because I think, to be honest, I don't really have a third one. I thought everybody generally played pretty well i think the person who you know very unfortunately because he's played about nineteen thousand games where he's done a wonderful job which is john denny and denny was pretty responsible oh, for the yeah. for the two pump blocks but you know that'll get i'm sure that'll get shored up but yeah. i just generally thought the team overall played just played hard they're playing so hard for gays you know they, they're not mailing it in i'm going to give the game ball to gays actually and mm. gays gets my game ball just for being a just a fucking excellent head coach who I think we would seriously miss if we didn't um, if we didn't have him. So, yeah, he's my number three game ball. All right, Chris? Normally, I would want to give the game ball to, you know, several people. I mean, Brandon Bolden, what he brought to the game was, yeah. was a huge piece of the puzzle because uh, in the end, you got to <sighs> score points, and he scored points, and he made big plays. Um, but – this was an iconic game. This is one of those games that all is, all, all Dolphins fans are going to remember for many years. And the, the most iconic moment was that final play. And I have to give it to Kenyon Drake on that because for as much as we want to talk about, you know, Ted Larson hustling down the field and, and got this and, and people are mentioning that Danny Amendola played, you know, this tiny little minor role in it as well. And, um, you know, for all the, for all the guys that, that did things on the play that were pretty good. Uh, there was one guy who did things on the play that was, at, you know, that were absolutely spectacular, that were superstar quality things. And that was Kenyon Drake because he made that play happen. To me, when I watched it, he, no, you don't, you're not getting in the end zone. I don't care if Ted Larson catches up to this. Uh, Ted Larson only catches up because of cuts that Kenyon Drake made. And, you know, things that he set up. I mean, he just, he just, everything slowed down for him. And he had one hell of a play on that, that most, you know, prolific play that we've seen of the year. Um, so I, I just got to give it to him and, and hats off to him. He's always going to be remembered for this. And, um, and he deserves to be because it was, it was just that special of a play to me. All right, and my game ball, uh, my initial game ball, it's going to be to Ryan Tannehill. I think he played his best game this year. And very quietly, he is sixth in the NFL in passer rating. And he's putting together his career year, okay? It just And I know he missed five games, but go look at his numbers. He's putting up a career year. Now, does it mean that I'm ready to go all in with an extension? No. 
but I still think that we should draft a guy. But I'm t- I told you last week, I think he's playing himself into being the starting quarterback next year, probably grooming a young guy that they draft. My second game ball, and we haven't given him one at all all year. He deserves one. Frank Gore, he's been hmm. great. 12 carries, 92 yards. He should have had 30 carries because they just couldn't stop him. Uh, those little traps that they were running and those, those zero those zero block traps, uh, they were so good, especially with Travis Swanson, who gets my third game ball. Travis Swanson, don't be surprised. He's your starting center on opening day next year because he's actually played very, very, very well. So those are my three game balls. What a game, guys. What a game. It was Before we go on fair. CBS4 in Miami have just put up an interview with Adam Gaze showing the practice footage of the Miami Miracle on Saturday afternoon and Gaze talking <laughs> through it, which is pretty fucking cool. So They should run that. that play on first down of the next game. Go and check. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We should run it on every down. <laughs> the yeah. only play we do in the playbook now is is amalgamations of, of Boise. <laughs> Boise. That's the way it should be. It's just line up. Instead of shouting Omaha, we just shout Boise and away we go. Just do it. In your fucking face, Peyton Manning. Yeah, it, 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 was, it, it was just a, a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. And also, it's also a beautiful thing that they pretty much guarantee that Tom Brady will never have a winning record in games here in Miami. Whoop, whoop. Okay. Because <laughs> he would have to – first of all, he would have to play four consecutive years and beat us four consecutive times. That ain't happening. I feel bad for the Steelers next week. <laughs> I really do. They're going to murder the Steelers 55-3. to I can, I can see it coming. They're going to be so pissed. <laughs> yes, they will be. But Right. It's time for Monday Night Football. Let's take it to church. Yes, it is. That is it. There is no more. The next time we talk to you will be on Thursday. Will we be previewing the Vikings? And- A massive game. Yes. We're playing games that matter deep into December. And if That's incredible, that, isn't it? Get ready to celebrate. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.